Welcome to True North Vineyard Podcast, where we share our Sunday gathering messages. True North is a vibrant church plant community located in Traverse City, Michigan area. We are centered in the Bible and follow the example of Jesus praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We hope that our Sunday gathering messages encourage you to lean into the word of God and compel you to take action. To connect with us, visit our website, vineyardtruenorth.churchcenter.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at True North We're in a series on purpose, so we're going to be talking for the next four weeks on these concepts. This week's going to be the purpose of church, the purpose of life, and next week we'll talk about identity. Who are you? Who are you supposed to be? The third week, we're going to talk about individual calling. What's your makeup? Who are you uniquely designed to be? Why did God create Natalie the way he created Natalie? And how do we, um, how do we find out what we're called to be? How do we discover that? And the last one we're going to end on in four weeks is going to be uh, how do we experience a life in God? How a life in the Spirit propels us into a life of purpose. So today I want to answer a couple questions. One, do we know why we come to church? Like in post-2020, when COVID shut down the church and now 66% of people that had attended church no longer go to church, why do we even come? What's the point of doing this? Yeah. Whoever feels fragile doesn't want to come on Sundays. Yeah, my hand's well raised. The only reason I'm here is because I had to preach half the time. <laughs> like, there's days where it's like, why do this? You know? And having those reasons of why is very important. So I want to continue with that thought tonight. Another question I want to know is, is do we understand the reason we're living the life we're living? Do we know why we're here? Do we know why God placed you here? What's your purpose? And I don't mean like, what's your individual purpose? What is the purpose of doing this? The last question I wanna ask, and you don't have to answer this one. This is just a reflection question for you. Are we proud of what we're building? Are you proud of the life you're living? Are you excited about the building? Are you, are you the guy that says we're building the ditch? Are you the guy that says we're building the water line? Or are you the guy saying we're building the church? No matter how hard this is, no matter what mundane thing we're doing, I think it's the perspective that they're looking for is why is the guy saying I'm building a ditch? Why is the guy thinking he's building a ditch that's creating a water line? And why is the guy who's building the ditch think he's building the church? So the thought process is there is the perspective of the three guys. They're all doing the same task, but one is seeing the magnificent thing, and the other guys are focused in on the small tasks. So when we're doing this Christian life, and you're sucking a lemon, are you sucking a lemon, or are you building the church? Or, you know what I mean? Like, or are we doing this life for God regardless of good and bad? Those are the things that I'd like us to kind of gear our minds around. 
Let me go ahead and go into our text tonight. We're going to go into Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to go 8 through 13. Paul writes this in Ephesians. He says, That is why the scripture says, When he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended into our lower world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts of Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work Uh, to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of God. Now let me just do what I love to do and bless this moment. Come Holy Spirit. Would you just fill this time of discussion and teaching with your presence? Lord, I just pray that you would just fill us with um, just your knowledge of your scripture and that you would just implant something into this conversation that is just fruitful for all of us. In Jesus' name. When you guys were, who did not, who was not raised in the church? Okay, this only doesn't apply to you. Everybody else? Okay, but you've been in the, who's been in the church for more than 10 years? Who's been in the church for more than 20 years? 30 years. Okay. My parents would take me to both services. So, like, I would go to a children's service, which they were teaching. And then the second service, we would go into the large, uh, the large megachurch we were at. And we would go, and they would, they would do their teaching. And then they would go, and we would do the main service. So, I'm spending my entire day in church. It's a, it's a miracle I'm still here. Um, I love that my parents brought me to church. But did your upbringing, uh, did you guys grow up in a, um, in a community that was saying our purpose is to get to heaven and to take as many people along with you? Was that something that was kind of stressed in your guys' churches? Yes. Okay. Now, one of the emphases is that we've been talking about is sharing the gospel. Can I ask this question? Does anybody think that that is the purpose of the Christian faith? To go to heaven and to, uh, to get as many people to go with you? Yeah? That's the purpose? It's the whole purpose? Good. That's excellent. But is that the sole purpose? Okay. Now, could there be a problem with people right now, because we've emphasized that to such a degree, is there a reason that people don't come to church because that has been the perceived purpose? Let me ask this question. I have come across several people who have said, I don't like to go to church. It's really boring. I hate going to church. Love Jesus, though. I accept Jesus. Jesus is my homie. I love Jesus but I don't like going to church. It's really boring. I don't want to do it. But I like my kids to go because I want them to hear the story and accept Jesus, and that's good. But I don't need to go because I know where I'm going. Anybody resonate with that story? So if the purpose is not just to go to a place, 
what's the purpose? If it's not just to get a whole bunch of people saved and go to a location, because another part of this sad story is, is like, if that's, the, if that's our normal, if getting saved and going to heaven is the primary, what's the point of doing church? What's the point of following the rules? What's the point of doing all the obligations, right? Why do we do all the obligations if everything's about going to a blissful place in the universe once we die? If, we just, if everything's contingent just on the one decision I made in a prayer room or up in the altar, why does any of this other hurt and pain and struggle and obligations matter? Right? What am I doing? So I would propose that it's not about going somewhere. It's about becoming someone. I would propose our purpose is not about going somewhere, but it's about becoming someone. Let me kind of build a thought process real quick. Earlier in Ephesians, so we're in Ephesians 4. If we go back a couple chapters, Paul writes and he says, each of us have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. We have all become nobility. So think about it this way. We're enslaved to sin. We're enslaved to brokenness. And Jesus comes alongside of us. He takes all of this garbage away. He takes our, shil- uh, he takes our, our shame, our guilt, and he brings us into his kingdom. And all of a sudden now, like, he calls us children of God. Not servants of the Most High, per se. Not just uh, peasants with inside of the temple court, but co-heirs with Christ. That's a higher calling than just going to a place of bliss. That now, that now brings a sense of identity. I was listening to a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, and this, uh, this guy who, uh, he's, um, he grew up in one of the uh, very wealthy and influential houses in American aristocracy. Um, his dad put him down when he was six years old, sat him on the couch and said, son, do you know why I'm having this conversation with you? He says, no, dad. He said, son, you bear my name. You bear the name of all of the people who have come before you. You bear the name of all your uncles and all your, uh, your grandparents. You bear that name. This name means that you're significant. This name means that you have a responsibility not to be a bum, but to actually to produce something with your life. The boy grows up, and he becomes not just a good lawyer, but he becomes the most influential uh, environmental lawyer to ever be in the United States because he had an expectation that he and his family were significant. The rest of his family, if I were to tell you their names, you would be, yes, they're significant. It's the Kennedys. These people said, you were born to be significant. And regardless if you believe their politics or whatnot, the fact remains is that they were told from an early age, you have to be someone because you bear our name. That is now our job, right? You bear Christ's name. 
You're not a bum on the street. You're not just a, a, a pew sitter. You're a son. You're a daughter. You belong here. You have been set free, and now you're given responsibilities. All these codes of morality, they're because you bear a name. All of the stuff that we have to do is because you bear the responsibility to be a son and a daughter with a name. You are a noble in this house. You are meant to be significant. There's a teaching that Jesus gives, and I'll move on from here. In Luke 19, Jesus gives a parable of a master pulling aside three of his servants. To one of his servants, he gives five mina. To another, he gives two. And to one, he gives one. The one who has five goes and invests it. And before his master returns, he ends up with ten. The one who has two invests it, and he ends up with five. And the one who has one goes and buries it in the sand. He forgets that it's important. He knows it's important, but he knows when his master comes, he's going to want it back. So the master returns, sees the guy with the five, says, well done, you got five more. You're going to rule over ten cities now. Guy comes to the one who had two, now has five. He says, you're going to rule over five cities now. The one who had one, he comes to you and says, you wicked servant, if you had at least put it in the bank, you would have got interest. But because you did nothing with it but put it in the sun, I'm going to take everything from you and I'm going to give it to the one who has ten because he can handle it and you can't. You and I are all on a journey to the kingdom of God. We're in the kingdom. That's why we have the responsibilities. We live in a life that is still corruptible and still broken, and we have free will to live a life of power and love and responsibility or to choose the opposite. But when Christ returns, he's bringing with him the fullness of the kingdom, which will eradicate all evil, and you will have responsibilities thereafter. You and I are going to inherit something far greater than we can ever imagine, and this life is in preparation for the next life. Our maturity now is what will be looked at and evaluated then. How we live now will affect then. So we better know what our purpose is. Our purpose, the grand, the grand picture of the purpose, is that we are mature believers. Our purpose is to become mature believers. And the purpose of church to equip you to be mature believers. The reason you come to this location or to another location is so that you are equipped to do the work of ministry because doing the work of ministry is what matures you. We have one purpose, but we have five avenues towards that purpose. So I just talked about the idea of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, right? With that, I'm not saying that we have this hierarchy idea of we have this guy on top who's called an apostle and this guy over here that's a prophet. Let's not worry about those. What I am concerned about is what these things equip us to be relationally. So think about this analogy. We're all on a football team, right? And each coach on the football team has a specific role 
to train you and teach you. And the roles of the coaches are to, one, you know, tell you, like, they teach you the playbook. Here's the strategy. This is how all of our plays work. Then they're going to train you on your specific function. Are you on offense? Are you on defense? What position do you fill out in these spaces? And they're going to put you with specific coaches who are going to train you in specific functions because they're taking your raw talent and they're developing you to be a team player to be most effective to play the game. As a player, your role is to learn the playbook. Then you are going to practice the heck out of this stuff. You're going to do it to your most, like the utmost ability because your coaches want you to win the game. So all of your practice, all of your learning is so that you play the game to win. So we now have two functions. I'm going to just explain the coaches' functions because the coaches' functions allow you, the players, to play the game effectively. If you are, if you are playing the game, oh, sorry, let me say it this way. These coaches are teaching you how to play the game. They're going to equip you with their specific views of their, of their priorities so that you can see the priorities of the kingdom in this five-fold kind of way, and you can find yourself in this space. Okay? Does that make sense? Any questions? Okay. Let's start with the apostle. The apostle's focus is to recognize the hope-filled mission. So an apostle in the way that we're looking at the scripture is they're focused on eschatology, right? It's a big word, eschatology. What I'm not saying is they're not focused on the last seven years or end times or anything like that. What I'm saying is they're focused on the kingdom mission. They're focused on the great commission being fulfilled, that the ultimate goal is that Jesus returns and he comes to a really well-established church, that the gospel has gone out and it's done its job. And really what they're looking at is they're the mobilizers. They're the ones that are taking people and saying, okay, you're gifted here, you're gifted there, let's put you on offense, let's put you on defense, let's get you in the game. Let's figure out how you work. And they're going to develop teams, they're going to develop ministry teams, and they're going to develop leaders so that these teams run well. So what does it look like? What do you think True North would look like with an apostolic equipping here? What does that look like to you? It allows us to see the big picture. The apostle is there to show you the big picture of the game. We're going to win. And what that looks like is that we're going to, at this space, we're going to try to recognize everyone's specific calling. Our commitment to you guys is that we want to help you find where you best fit. And we want to put you in places where you play the game best. Are you offense or defense, special teams? Where do you fit? And we're going to put you in the best place so that you can mature well and then you can do effective ministry. And then we're also going to be looking for another thing, is do other people in this room have the potential to be coaches? Because if they are, like, if we have other coaches, if we have other people that are not just players, but actually want to teach people how to play the game, we want to develop you because we want to send you out to be in a location. We want to send you out to plant a church or you to fill a role that's, you know, not being filled currently. So that's what the apostle brings. 
through that lens, they want to bring a sense of mission. The second one is the prophet. The prophet is about the life and the spirit. So the prophet is always going to be focused on what is the Lord doing? They're sensitive to the Lord's leading. They're always wanting to uh, kind of focus in on what is God doing right here and right now. They're not so focused like the teacher would be on the scripture in the past. They're looking at, okay, um, what does he want to do right now? How does he want to work in our life? Does he want us to pray for the sick? Does he, does he have something to say? Does he want to drive us in a certain direction? These guys are the idealists. These guys are always looking at who we could be versus who we are currently. They're always saying, okay, what are the things that we need to drop so that we can go forward? What are the things that we need to get so that we can go to the next place? Always looking at who we are versus who we could be. So some of the things that we want to do here, um, we want to make sure that you experience the presence of God. This gifting is meant to let you experience God's presence. And we're going to emphasize that personal connection with God, that you have been given the Holy Spirit. And that personal connection, that personal relationship with God is your catalyst for transformation. The second thing is, is we want to train you how to hear the Spirit, how to recognize those nudges, how to say, oh, I heard the Lord. I had a dream last night. Oh, I felt I had an image or a vision or, whoa, I just feel a little odd. How does this correlate? We want to be able to kind of push you in that direction. Lastly, we want to empower you with the gifts of the Spirit. The third one is the evangelist. And their focus is on reaching those far from God. Those guys are focused on communicating the good news of Jesus. They love meeting new people encourage that, uh, and they encourage people to come in and meet Jesus. They're always wanting to talk to the next person. Who can I meet next? How can I share my faith? How can I get them to love Jesus? And these guys are our recruiters. They're the ones that say, join the cause. We got to go win. Let's go to the street. Let's go into this place. Let's go do the thing. They want you to experience God through seeking out those far from him. And so some of the ways that we want to do things going forward is we want to focus you on the hurting and the broken. And we, want to, we have some things in the woodwork for planning, but in the next season, I really want to push us to go and impact our community. How do we meet the hurting and the broken where they are? That's the evangelist. Where are they? Let's go to them. Let's go out and meet them in their level. There's always that urgency to love people because Jesus is coming. And one other thing, if you haven't been to, we're all here, we've all gone to Alpha, <laughs> but this is what we're doing. This is what we want to do. We want to encourage everybody to, to go this way. This is how we're equipping people for evangelism in the season, is to bring people to Alpha. This is what we're doing this year. Fourthly, 
we have the shepherd. And their job is to make this feel like home. It's we are becoming a family. You are belonging to a family. Have you ever met a person that is so gifted at just making you feel like you're at home? Right? David's that guy for me. Like, David and Natalie, you go into their house, and it's like, wow, they always got food on the table. Hey, come down to our basement. We've got a thousand games. Like, (laughs) come hang out with us because we want to be your friends. It's this gifting that makes you feel like you're a part of the family. You have, the, uh, you have the apostolic, let's go do the mission. Let's go win. Win, win, win. We, all we do is win. And then you have these guys who are like, hey, while you're winning, let's have a moment where we're just having a good day. They're focused in on the individual. Like the evangelist, the evangelist is like, let's go find that hurting, broken person and bring them in. <laughs> they bring them to this guy. This guy is who makes that person's hurting and pain that they've experienced Jesus. Now they get to come in, and not only do they get to experience God's love, now they get to experience the love of the church. Now we get to love them because this person's creating an environment for everyone out there to feel like they're at home. This gift wants you to feel the love of God through community. That's one of the good answers you guys had was community. You come in, and you're home. And lastly, and the most boring of the five, is the teacher. For good reason. He's the one who has all the answers. (laughs) He's the one who thinks he knows everything. But at the same time, he's focused on truth and wisdom. How do we take the scriptures? How do we apply them to our life? How do you take these things and go and actually do the principles? What they want you to experience God through is the written text. They want you to have a relationship with the Bible. Where the prophet wants you to have a relationship with the Spirit, the teacher wants you to have a relationship with the Scriptures. They are both and. This one teaches you about this one. This one illuminates this one. It's a relationship that they have. Also, and lastly, after Alpha, we're going to be doing a discipleship uh, group. We're going to really focus in, and all of our home groups from now on are going to be called Omega groups. We have Alpha and Omega. If it's cheesy, I don't care. It's great. <laughs> but we're going to be really focusing headlong from our Alpha. We're going to be doing Alpha twice a year, and then right after Alpha, we go right into those basic Omega groups. We're going to train everybody in a quick discipleship thing going right out of Alpha. So we train them right there and then where they're raw. And we're going to really propel this. This is something, by the way, that I'm devoted to long term. Like I know right now we're, we're 20 people in this room. I'm not expecting this room to turn into 100 next week. I'm not even expecting it to look like 100 next year. But if we do this year after year after year and we have these five focuses and you guys take this seriously, you're going to find a place. You're going to find a niche. I'm going to get better at my job. (laughs) We're all going to grow together. But if we say this is the course, we're going to win. We're going to be consistent this year. And people are going to come in and they're going to feel all of these, all of these emphases. 
They're going to be thrown out on mission because that's all I talk about is mission. I'm annoying. And they're going to be always talked about with the Spirit. Our small groups, that's all we do is we talk about the Spirit. We're going to do Alpha over and over again. We're going to engage our community with acts of service and love. We're going to go out and do, uh, you know, street evangelism at times. We're going to create people a home. People are going to come and they're going to feel like they belong. And then we're going to teach them the Bible because we need to. We have one purpose. And that is that we are becoming mature Christians. We have five avenues towards that purpose. Figure out in this time in the next four weeks, ask the Lord, where does he have for me? Where do you find yourself? Are you offense? Are you defense? Are you called to be a coach? Allow that to be something that develops in you. This doesn't have to be answered at the end of the four weeks. This is a lifelong journey that you're in. But allow God to change the way you think about things. Because right now we're going to win. We're going. We're going to do it. And you and I, we have a responsibility because we have a noble name. You and I are children of God and we have talents to spend and invest. So let's win. Go ahead and stand up. I'll pray. We'll bless you. And we'll jump right in. And we'll just stay with one group tonight. So, Father, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for the privilege of just seeing everyone every week. And I just pray for their growth, that you would bring them deeper and deeper into maturity that you would use their abilities that you've given them to change the world and change the heart of people, to make a home and to teach people well. Lord, I just pray that you would continue to build this church and build your people in Jesus' name. Thanks again for tuning in to the True North Vineyard Podcast. We hope that you are blessed by this message. To connect with us, be sure to visit our website, vineyardtruenorth.churchcenter.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at True North Finger. We hope to see you soon.